Hello and welcome to Desert Island Risks, a series of podcasts sharing results from our recently published Global Pension Risk Survey. I'm your host, Polly Cripps, and in these podcasts, I'll be casting my guests away to a desert island with a copy of the survey, where they're going to have endless time to think about UK-defined benefit pension schemes and the many risks they face. My podcast today focuses on pension scheme investments, and my guests are Rupert Kotowski, an associate partner in our investment practice, and Rupert has over 20 years experience, and he's joining us to talk about all the general investment themes that came out of the survey. I also have with me Jennifer O'Neill, an associate partner in our investment practice, and Jennifer is a specialist in ESG and climate change. Welcome, Rupert and Jennifer. Thanks, Polly. Good to be with you. Hi. So, Rupert, can you start by sharing with us some of the investment themes that have come out of the survey? Sure, of course, Polly. Right. So by way of background, what we've actually seen over the last couple of years is funding levels uh, improving, uh, especially compared to pre-pandemic for the majority of schemes. And long-term targets that trustees have been setting their schemes are becoming uh, stronger and closer. So what do I mean by that? Well, 47% of respondents now have buyout as their long-term target, with a further 34% targeting a low-risk basis. And nearly two-thirds of the respondents are expected to reach their target within 10 years. So that's fantastic news for those schemes. So the key theme coming out of all of that improvement really is de-risking. So the de-risking journey is set to continue. So we now have many respondents, over 74%, have a high interest rate hedge ratio of over 80% of assets. And that's a big increase from two years ago. So that's 74% compares to only 43% two years ago. And looking forwards, we expect that de-risking journey to continue. Over 50% of respondents uh, thought that they would continue to reduce their equity allocation. And where's all that money going? Well, it's predominantly going to credit to either look to cash flow match some liabilities or provide some additional return on liquidity or increased LDI mandates. These are now larger, so it's actually quite a good time to uh, review them. Thanks, Rupert. That's really positive to hear the progress that schemes have been making. Jennifer, for the schemes that are de-risking, can you share insights into how they're considering ESG in their decision making? Yeah, certainly. This is a a really increasing trend, actually, and I I would expect this to continue to rise going forward from here. So what we've seen from the survey is that 92% of schemes are in a position where they either currently are or have already thought about ESG in relation to their uh, setting of investment policies. So that does mean there is a small slice, 8% of schemes that haven't yet done that. And I would expect that trend to uh, to eliminate those schemes in the not too distant future for the simple reason that ESG represents risk. It also represents opportunity. So when thinking about de-risking, there has been a tendency to think about ESG from an equity first perspective. And as Rupert's covered, many schemes are moving out of or significantly reducing their equity allocation. So that means thinking about ESG risks that pertain to credit, thinking about ESG uh, opportunities that arise in less liquid asset classes, illiquid credit, for instance, and how that can help a scheme meet their overall objective. Well, that's really good to hear about the options that are out there for pension schemes for their investments. What wider actions are schemes taking to combat climate change? The first thing to say here is that climate change is an issue on which further legislative changes will be coming. Uh, So we've seen that happen, for example, in the UK for certain segments of the corporate pension scheme universe, but not all yet. So 
introducing mandatory disclosure requirements, as really encouraging schemes to think more carefully about the risks and opportunities that they face over the relevant time horizon for them. So whether they, they're now in a better funded position and they have a shorter term time horizon through to their end game, it does mean that they need to articulate how they think about those things. So that means that schemes are increasingly looking at setting metrics or targets to measure their exposure to those risks and how they might look to mitigate those over that period. Also, thinking about looking at climate-related risks in general, one tool that we've seen many schemes use is thinking about scenario modelling. So understanding the way that those climate-related risks can present themselves and the associated impact on, on liabilities and assets. Thanks, Jennifer. So Rupert, you mentioned earlier that lots of schemes are targeting buyout, but there's also lots out there that are not targeting buyout. So what are they doing with their investments? Yeah, good question. Um, they're still taking lots of action. Some of them are uh, taking some risk off the table, but a lot of them are also looking at illiquid investments as well. So these are investments that are expected to provide better risk-adjusted returns going forwards than just your traditional equity and, and bonds. And all different types of illiquids remain popular, from private equity to infrastructure to real estate to debt. But the illiquids that provide cash flows to pay pensions and some link to inflation and also have an ESG aspect, are proving particularly popular. Ah, so there's an ESG angle to illiquids too. Jennifer, please can you tell us a little bit more about that? This is, I think, very tangible and, and very closely linked. It's really easy to see how there is a, an ESG perspective on these. If we take, for example, infrastructure, then there is a clear benefit to having well-functioning uh, infrastructure that allows ease of communication, transport, etc. So, one area within that that's particularly popular and particularly topical uh, in, in the time that we're currently in, having had COP26 not too long ago, is renewable energy. So if we think about the way that the renewable energy capacity has to increase in order to provide fossil fuel free electricity generation and the increase in electricity demand that's going to come from things like electrification of transport systems and so on, uh, that means that it, it, there's a very clear link between an attractive investment opportunity as well as addressing the problems that are posed by climate change. So that's one angle, uh, but Rupert also mentions uh, illiquid credit. And this is an area where we've seen quite a lot of development over the recent year to 18 months. For example, taking a private debt lender, so extending loans to companies and being the majority lender to those companies, that lender is in a very strong position to be able to influence the way that that organization behaves. And so we've seen and we've actually worked with a number of investment managers who are looking to enhance the way that they integrate ESG into those loans. So what are the risks that that borrower faces and how does the lender implement, for example, key performance indicators to mitigate some of those risks. Tying that to the interest rate that the borrower is paying on the debt means that there's a clear link between financial performance and mitigation of risk. So from a debt perspective, that's also uh, very easy to see the link. Great. So I hope you will both make it back to dry land soon and be able to support pension schemes to make these changes. Rupert, what would be the first thing that you will do when you get there? 
Well, I actually have three small children, so I was hoping I could stay on the desert island a little bit longer. But on a more serious note, it's such a fast-moving area with new products being launched all the time. So even if I was only away for a few months, I would want to make sure I was up to speed with the latest market offerings and also how they could help my clients. And what about you, Jennifer? Well, like Rupert, I don't have three small children, so I'd be very keen to get back to uh, social interaction as soon as I could. But apart from that, I think leading on from some of the themes we've talked about, better understanding of risk is really important here. As schemes continue on their journey and also have to think about ESG in a more targeted fashion, I think understanding the risks that they face. So let's use the tools that we have to oversee those risks and make sure that Uh, trustees and schemes understand them in a, a very thorough way. Well, thanks, Rupert and Jennifer. That's been really interesting. For all of our listeners, there's a link in the show notes that you can click on to download the survey. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to discuss any of this further, please contact your usual Aon consultant or Rupert, Jennifer, or me. Thanks and see you next time.